Before I ask pressing questions, mind-bending or reality-bending questions, I decided that it would be better if I go through a couple of concepts that are part of the foundation that make our reality. Some of these uh, concepts may... Uh, I already started with one. One being modesty. Um, and there are quite a number of them like ethics, science, philosophy, and all so forth. But most of some of these areas that I want to tackle are mostly embedded in our society to a point whereby we forget that they actually exist. Last week I discussed the topic of modesty and it's one of the things that we have forgotten quite too easily, I might say. And in our forgetfulness, or rather in our disregard of it, we have a tendency of now moving away from the traditional meaning or the societal beneficial aspect of these concepts. In modesty, the modern society is moving away but trying to maintain the traditional aspect of modesty. So in this week, I will discuss one of the foundations of our society being morality and its necessities, of course. Anyway, welcome to Think Peace, where I discuss a wide range of topics that aim at questioning reality as we know and believe it to be. This is episode two, and the topic for today is morality, where I'll be questioning, uh, where I'll be posing a question, why is the concept of morality considered significant for both individuals and society? My name is Ian M. Maluleka. Before we get right into it, I would like to let it be known that as the audience, you need not know the ins and outs of these particular topics. The discussions will be concise and straight to the point. In future, the research literature of the podcast will be posted along with references used in presentation of each episode. The aim of this presentation is to create discussions around the things we see and experience. I hope you enjoy it and share your thoughts or questions and interact with each other. Now, as I stated, we will be talking about morality this week and trying to understand uh, the concept and its significance, not just to the society, but individuals as well. As I went through my reading, I found out that morality is one of the most complex philosophical um, questions that we have. And it's so complex that it has its own philosophical category named moral philosophy. That morality doesn't just come as a single concept. It brings forth the question of having values and fuels the requirements and inceptions of ethics and laws, which then can be used to govern a society for what is morality if not a tool of a man for peace among men? But to kick it off, let's start first with the definition of morality. And according to Wikipedia, 
morality is a distinction between proper and improper intentions, decisions and actions, a distinction between right and wrong, good and bad behavior. Morality in itself has a set of principles that work as assistive tools through which the distinction between right and wrong can be acquired. It's the understanding of the actions that we take and how they may impact people in the right or bad way. The difference between good and bad, good and bad decisions, good and bad actions, um, sometimes good and bad words and how they influence the society. Now, the more common approaches to the philosophy of morality go back to the philosophy of ethics, um, which in this area expands to deontological ethics, consequential ethics, utilitarianism, virtue ethics, and more. Of course, even within these particular ethics, these two are governed by an understanding of what we perceive to be reality and what reality may be, thus bringing forth subjective and objective morality. Now, this is the introduction, or rather, the more known way of speaking of individual morality and societal morality and their names or rather their, their labels are subjective and objective. It's the same way there is objective truth and subjective truth. There is also objective morality and subjective morality. Now, what are these things? So subjective morality speaks more to the individual's perspective of reality and responses, the creation of principle that may vary from person to person uh, to distinguish right from wrong. This, of course, differs from objective morality, which emphasizes the universal description and agreed upon moral principles that govern or assist a group of people or society in distinguishing between right and wrong. Unlike subjective morality, objective morality is not up for interpretation and it is independent of human opinions and cultures, thus meaning in different societies, similarities and objective morality can be discovered through an investigation of the particular societal norms. Both these areas are open for discussion. Um, it is also believed that objective morality has some implication to subjective morality as society improves and it moves according to the time and subjective morality does influence objective morality as well. You may be a subject in a society, but you are still influenced by that particular society. And the objective truth may be the ultimate truth, but the ultimate truth is also influenced by society the time and the growth to which the society is in. Now, this is to say that um, the objective moral values and principles are subject to interpretation and interference where subjective morals inherently display objective origins. 
the thing is, it, it, it brings quite a number of questions. Um, and one of these questions I realized was that, how do we then distinguish subjective from objective morality and take note of the intersection of both descriptions in reality? Well, we can start off, I can start off with this with uh, the basic thought experiment. Um, let's start off with the trolley experiment. Imagine you're standing next to a lever by the train tracks and there's a trolley coming your way and there are five people stuck on the train's original path who can't move. There is only one person on the other path past the lever you're standing next to. If you let the trolley continue on its original path, it'll kill five people. If you pull the lever, it'll only kill one person and save the other five. Which actions are you taking? Some may say that walking away from the situation and allowing the trolley to finish its course would exempt you from assuming any responsibilities. That's observing subjective morality. You're not doing anything, you're not touching anything. So you are exempt from any uh, weight that comes from making that decision. Others may lean more towards pulling the lever and saving five lives while killing just the one. Although there is no definite point of indication of objective morality in this thought experiment, saving five people from the trolley would be more socially acceptable and the first universal choice. Of course, this is still in the hands of the individual and they will still have to consult their own subjective moral principles. But what do you consider more to be important? The universal approach as per objective morality would be to save the five people. The more people you save, the better, right? But if you interfere, you have to save something. Are you saving the one or are you saving the five? Because when you interfere, you now have to observe your subjective moral principles and also take into consideration the objective moral principles and the societal norm, the universal truth of what is right and what is wrong, or rather the universal principles of what is right and what is wrong. Now, let's look at another thought experiment. Now, is the, the, this one is called the Heinz Dilemma. Now, I'm not going to go as, like to detail this story, but it does go, um, there is a husband with a sick wife. Um, the husband tries by all means necessary to save her. It so happened that in the community, one doctor discovers the cure for uh, the man's wife. But instead of making it affordable, he tries to capitalize on his discovery, which leaves the husband with the option of borrowing money from the community, but ends up coming short. In order to get the cure, he either has to convince the doctor to lower the price or steal the cure for himself at the risk of going to jail. Now, in this experiment, people generally look to the husband to make a decision in this thought experiment. But I believe that 
all people have morals and should be questioned. So why not scrutinize the doctor, his moral calls, and the decisions he makes? This is not to take away the decision that the husband has to make. He still has to make a decision. Is he going to steal? Or is he going to lean back and watch his wife die? Now, coming to the doctor, well, what are the doctor's moral uh, codes or principles? Is he not going to observe the objective moral principles or does he have his own subjective moral principles to which he will observe? Now, he already made a decision to hike the price to make 500% worth of profit from this discovery, which then means he already just observed his subjective moral principles and the moral principles would seem to lean more on capital gain than saving lives. The socially acceptable approach would be to make the cure as affordable as possible so that it can be easily accessible by everyone. However, he just chose to stick with something that only gains for him or something that only would work for him, thus observing the subjective moral principles instead of the objective. Now, in this case, the suffering of society is not seen as his responsibility, nor does he considers it. Morals don't make the law. However, all decisions taken do have societal implications that may or may not result in legal implications. Since morality influences the way in which our society functions and also plays a role in lawmaking, are morals, whether subjective or objective, good for society? If they are good, how do they benefit society? If they are bad, how do they harm particular societies we live in? Now, to get the answers of whether morality is good or bad, we first have to break down morality into its principles and judge in accordance with those principles that are available to us. Just like the vices, we have seven moral principles. It is arguable that there are additions to the principles, but for argument's sake, I'll just remain with the seven. The first being loving your family. Yeah, you don't really have a choice. You kind of have to love your family. Unless if they're bad people, um, for which in certain instances, you still have to love them, but keep your healthy distance with unkind people, but they are still family. So you do have some form of compassion for them. Assist your community. This is where you go back to modesty and how you are responsible for your actions that influence the community. The same way the community is responsible for you. So you have to make decisions that benefit the community and you have to assist your community. Number three being return favors. Yeah, I find it a bit weird, but yeah, sure. Return favors. Be brave. Be brave enough to stand for yourself. Be brave enough to stand for what you love. Be brave enough to stand for something. But in general, be brave, but not like 
brave enough to stand in front of a crocodile because we've been having a number of issues with wild animals in South Africa. But yeah, be brave. Defer to authority. Be fair and respect others' properties. These seven sets of principles seem to be universal rules among societies with regards to morality, thus making them objective moral principles that influence subjective morality. So how do these principles benefit the society? So for starters, among the principles, there's one that is directly there for the benefit of the society, which is um, number two. Um, being the uh, the one that states you have to assist or help your society, which can be done in a variety of ways. But one of the most beneficial ways to be accountable and responsible for yourself and your actions and to understand that the actions and decisions you make will affect the rest of the group. This, as I stated, goes back again to the topic we had again uh, about modesty last week. Now, by having rules of fairness and respecting and deferring to authority, we are instilling the well-known traditional values of living in a group of people. In a manner of speaking, this can also go back to the philosophy of Ubuntu that I spoke of last week when talking about modesty, which states that I am because we are. You are what your society makes you to be and will be influenced by their presence. So it is best to maintain certain moral values and principles. This benefits society by maintaining order, allowing for ease of communication, which is necessary when dealing with internal conflicts, finding an amicable way forward, uh, maintaining peace among the people. Yes, one rotten apple spoils the whole sack. However, if that is corrected beforehand, then the entire group won't have to be affected. This is to say that while you exist as an individual, you should understand that societal values and morals take precedence over your own. Of course, you can influence society, but only if the influence benefits the group rather than the individual, which in this individualistic world, the society does not take precedent as compared to the individual. The individual seems to be the one that comes first. Everyone is out there for themselves. No one is thinking about how the society is going to benefit or how the next, forget the society that we live in now, how the next generation is going to benefit. That's one big thing we have to consider. How is the next generation going to benefit from the things that we are leaving them now? Yes, you have moral principles for yourselves. You have... Uh, um, you have things you believe in. You are a subject in an objective reality. Yes, 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 you do have values and principles to which you follow, but how will these things benefit the society and not just yourself? How will these things benefit the next person? For, let's, 
now look at the larger picture. How about we just maybe condense it a little bit and say, how will your subjective moral, moral principles benefit your family, your kids, your parents, your friends? And as we think about it more, how will your subjective moral principles benefit the rest of the community to which you live in, the city you live in, the economy you live in, in the country you live in. It's, it becomes quite vast. So instead of just thinking about yourself, you have to think about everyone else that may be affected by the things to which you do. So, in the words of Spark from Breath of Khan, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few, or the one. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope to have you again next week as I take you through a journey of mindful thought and questioning about the world we live in.